Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man What's up, Three Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? Let me know which one you identify as, or a new one. It's Rhea Butcher, host of this podcast that you're listening to, Three Swings. Sorry that these episodes didn't come out as much as I had promised. Look, you've been down this road before, if you listen to Likely Mad as Hell. You've been down this road with me all summer. Um, I overbook in October. That's just what happens. I had to go to D.C. in the middle of the World Series. Last year, I had to go to Brooklyn in the middle of the World Series. It's just what happened. October is a very busy month for me, and I just couldn't turn down Tignataro. That's just, hey, that's what the world is like. You just can't turn down Tignataro. So I had to go to D.C., and I missed a bunch of the World Series, and then I came back and was very tired and just have not been able to record this podcast until today. I mean, it also didn't help that my the team I preferred to win lost, but uh, I've also just had a lot of personal stuff going on, and you guys have been there for that ride. You all have been there for that ride. Can everybody just forgive me for saying guys? Like, I call myself a guy. I know that this is, like, a good practice that we all need to get into of, like, using gender-neutral pr- pr- pronouns and, and words and stuff like that, but also, like, some people don't like being called gender-neutral pronouns pronouns so I can't I can't I can't nail it all the time and when you listen to this podcast you're listening to a person who really cares about everybody and I would encourage you to keep that in mind when I say something that you're like oh I wish Rio wasn't saying guys maybe just go like but they don't they constantly talk about gender inequality and the binary being a problem and women in baseball and gender neutral you know (laughs) trans kids and gender uh non-conforming kids in baseball and uh queerness in baseball and all those things and like maybe when I say guys I really don't mean it other than in a nice way and I'm fully aware of the fact that using a word that is male to be quote gender neutral is not transgressive and it's also not progressive But maybe it's just like, maybe it's just the middle of the road and it's just something that I say. I call myself Guy all the time. One of my favorite songs right now, I think I recommended this to you all before, uh, this EP by Boy Genius, which is Lucy Dacus and Phoebe Bridgers and uh, Julian. 
Baker, um, they just put out their full EP, and it is a staggering work of genius. It is so good. I listened to it in the car. I mean, I'm going to see them at the Wiltern. I'm very excited about it. I just, like, it is one of those things that every night... I mean, the thing is, like, when you're primed for something emotional to, to really hit you, it's great when it comes out, because there it is. But, like, I think I would have been into it even if I wasn't primed for some emotional stuff. I just, like, even when I'm not sad, I really like sad music. Because I just feel like it digs a hole in me, and then it gives me a new place to put stuff. That's how I feel about sad music. I just have always loved sad music. So... And it's not even necessarily sad. It's just like, it's not a pop record. That's for sure. But anyway, my favorite song off of it, and I love all the songs on it, but my favorite song, because it came out first and I heard it without knowing what it was and it just blew me away, was Me and My Dog, which uh, Phoebe Bridgers sings the lead vocals on it. Um, And one of the lines is, I didn't want to be this guy talking about like how they're heartbroken. They didn't want to be that guy. And... I just like love that there that to me is actually is actually transgressive is like refer I I call myself I'm like I'm not that kind of guy all the time um and this is all interpersonally you know I'm saying this to a person who's looking at my face and they know they can hear my tone and they can look at my eyeballs and see what I'm talking about so they know I'm not like I don't know doing anything nefarious but I just think that you know my focus lately has been about saving energy and spending it in the right places and I am not telling anybody what to do I'm just simply saying like if you feel anxious and stressed all the time which is understandable because there's a lot going on and it's hard to keep up with so much so that I've stopped keeping up with it because it's too much and like I've said before yes it is a privilege but also I mean everybody has to take care of themselves I mean even there you know, I try to pay attention to moments in my life a lot more than I did before and keeping my eyes open and looking around and seeing people and straight up just like witnessing and experiencing joy is not necessarily a privilege. I think most people, even at in their worst, deepest moments, there is still joy to be experienced. And I think that is that is the only way that we can get through any of this. I mean... I don't want to use any examples because I don't think it's my place because I'm I'm a white person. I don't think it's my place to go through and say, well, this and this and this because I haven't experienced those things. But I do know that people in, in trauma and people who are actively being oppressed in violent physical ways, not just emotionally and mentally, still are capable and able and willing to find joy. And I think that that is the only way that we can keep surviving through this because if we keep underneath this regime and allowing pain to take over everything and allowing it to seep into our ability to see each other as kind evolving human beings who are trying which brings me back to my original point of like And the reason I bring it up is not because I want to feel better. It's because I'm trying to do this in my own life. When somebody says something that that triggers a response in me that's like, well, that's not great. If it is something that I feel needs to be corrected or talked about, then I talk about it. Like if it's a white person saying racist shit, then I'm going to say something about that. But somebody using the word guys is maybe something we don't need to be fully fighting with each other about and diminishing our happiness with each other, I guess is all I'm trying to say. 
like somebody not nailing something on the first try or saying something of it. Like last night at my stand-up show, I did my an old joke about uh, this nurse like pushing a pregnancy test on me, and I said, you know, at fr- the first moment that I said this, I was like, "Sir, I don't. I am not a. Per- I have not had sex with a person who has a penis." in a long time. So I tried to say it in that inclusive way, which is inclusive. And then I went back and did my old line, which was, sir, I'm a lesbian. I don't have sex with men, which is not fully accurate and not fully inclusive. But I had already said the other way. So I said both ways. And also you have to think about the context in which you're speaking to another person. And this nurse maybe wouldn't have known what I was saying. And this is me judging this person, so I don't know. But he may not have known when I, if I said cis men or something like that. He may have gotten confused. Also, it's an old joke that, like, that punchline is just ingrained in my brain. So anyway, was I be, was I trying to hurt anybody? No. I was actually trying to do my best, and I did both. So anyway, my whole point of bringing that up is that, like, I'm not a bigot because I said it that way. I just had a joke from five years ago. <laughs> Or three. Anyway. Um, so this is a baseball podcast. I love to talk about just like dumb. It's not dumb. I love to talk about stuff up top and then get into baseball. And I'm definitely kicking the can down the road because I don't necessarily want to talk about this. Um, and also my team had game two. I flew back from DC in a day, basically flew to DC and, and back so that I could play in the game. And that was maybe not the best choice because I dropped the last out. And that has been difficult to look. I I accept the challenge. I'm up for it. It's been hard. It's been a difficult time. I know this is t- completely frivolous, but sometimes the frivolous things are what give us perspective on the important things. And so that's what I'm trying to look at. And like, man, oh man, I just for two days, I all I could see was that ball hanging in the air, and I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. My legs felt like concrete from being on a plane for t- twelve hours in 24 hours and that sucked i mean no excuses but like damn damn that's what i wanted i wanted to be the last out and then i couldn't make it and now we got to play them again and this team is they're tough in a way that's not like oh they're tough they're like oh i don't want to get into it anyway i'm tired i'm tired i'm real tired this week i'm moving my stuff it's a lot it's a lot at once and i'm finally telling you all what's going on for me I'm doing a lot at once. It's difficult. It's difficult. Um, November is going to be a weird month. I am going to do this podcast, but it may be a little spotty for a minute because I just need to get my life together. And then I'll be back and we can watch movies together in the off season. Maybe even just like fucking watch Ken Burns baseball together. Does that sound good to everybody? Probably. We can just do that because that's, you know, what is it? 10 hours now? Like, let's get into it, you know? So, I mean, let's get into it. So, I have been with you through game two, so we need to catch up from game three, which I attended. I went with uh, some of the uh, friends from my team. We had like half Dodgers, half Red Sox cheering. Um, It was pretty great to go to the World Series. I ran into MLB Entertainment. That was pretty wonderful. Um, I went to the longest World Series game in history and couldn't stay because I had to leave in the morning. Like, how perfect is this? I don't understand. I feel like I'm the most... I feel like I'm one of the most perfect prototypes of a baseball fan that could exist because I never never get to watch baseball. 
<laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say never, but in the situations where you're like, oh my God, the World Series. I'm like, well, I got to go because I got to get up in the morning. Like what? This is my ideal scenario. And then it has to be less than ideal. I left in the 13th because I was like, it's already 11. If I, I don't know how long this is, this feels like it's going to be very long. And then it's going to take me a long time to get out of here. And then it's going to be one in the morning. And then I'm going to have to get up in four hours. So I got home. And then as soon as I got YouTube TV to work, Max Muncy hit the walk-off home run. And I do wish I was there for that feeling because uh, it had to have been amazing. Um, and I know that it was because people told me it was. So the Dodgers win 3-2 to two in 18 innings. Alex Wood gets the win of all people. Walker Bueller pitches a fucking amazing game. And then Alex Wood gets the win. Doesn't deserve it. Uh, and the loss goes to Nathan Ivaldi, who also doesn't deserve the loss. That dude, that was some fucking baseball right there. And that is what the Dodgers were not doing. I just, uh, like, people have been mad at me on the internet, and I, I've been spending a lot less time on the internet, so I've only seen a little bit of it because other people that I actually know respond to them, and so then I see the original thing, which is like, hey, you can do whatever you want to do, and I respect you for your choices, but, like, I'm not responding to these people. You don't need to either. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not chastising anybody, but, like, I'll block people that say really horrific stuff and I'm sorry that you have to see it, but like, you don't have to, I appreciate your work. You don't have to take care of anything for me. These people are terrible and maybe not even people. Um, but yeah, a lot of Boston people are like, Oh, the, your team sucked and you can't admit that Boston was better. I will say right now, before we even get into this thing, Boston was the far superior team. This is, that's not what any of my complaints about the Dodgers is about, is that like, oh, they had, I just would have loved to have seen a, a, I mean, I can't believe it wasn't a sweep, you know? And I, I, my issue is not that I'm like finding some excuse. My issue is that it didn't have to be like that. Like, I think Boston would have won no matter what. I think Boston would have won no matter what, but it would have been nice to see a, a fight, you know, like uh, in game three, it was a fight. It was a fight at least, you know, and Boston had to try like Boston was tested through the, the ALDS and the ALCS. I know that they, they basically swept Houston too, but they were tested by Houston. It wasn't easy. And I think that like the world series was like easy for them. And that is nuts. And it's also not good TV and it's also not the best baseball. And I wanted to see them play hard. But, uh, you know, and you want to see your team put up a better fight. And I just, my complaint is that Dave Roberts prevented his team from putting up a fight. And I can't believe that he'll keep having a job. But I'll tell you this, I'm not going to get cable and pay all this money to watch this team. I'm just not. I'll listen to them on the radio. I'll go to a game here and there. But they're done getting my money. This is ridiculous. They have the highest payroll in baseball and they... They lost the World Series worse this year. And I was very incorrect in thinking that they had a better chance this year. But I put a ton of it on Dave Roberts. And I did an interview for KPCC the other day. And Nick Roman, after we were uh, done recording, was like, well, you can't fully blame the manager because it's your job to be put in there and do your job, which is to play baseball. And yes, I agree. But also, when you are... I have had jobs and my job has been to do this and I was not a manager. Someone else was a manager and they were good managers. And what those good managers did was they helped me to be in a position to do my job. Well, they did not do my job for me. 
but they did things to help put me and my teammates, uh, co-workers, in a position to do our jobs the best that we could possibly do because they believed in our skills, so they wanted to make sure that we were do- able to do that, that job instead of, I'm a good manager or whatever. It was about managing people. And I think that, yes, if you were a baseball player and you were hired to do a job, then you should be put in and do your job. But I also think that a manager's job is to look at the situation and say, who can I put in here to do their best? And I think that Ryan Madsen walks in a run in the first game of the World Series. He's done. That's not his job anymore. And Dave Roberts went back to that well every single game. And I said to some, so electronically it's somewhere. I either texted somebody or put it on the Slack in my baseball league. I said, I would put $10,000 on Dave Roberts going back to Ryan Madsen. And I was right. And then he did it again. And then he went back to him again. I just don't, how, how is that, how does that make any logistical sense? It doesn't. So I can't, I can't help but focus on that because it's, it's such a blatant, like literally everyone I know is like, I can't believe these choices he's making. And some of them I disagree with, but also they make sense. So there are times, but I just think that benching your two, three hottest hitters simply because they're left-handed was the worst way to start a World Series of all time. I mean, Mookie Betts didn't even have to play second base. The one thing that I said, oh, they have an advantage here, they didn't even have to do because they had such an advantage already coming to Los Angeles, having won both of those games and winning winning them so decisively, especially in game two, that like they were just like, oh, we've got this, you know, and they did. So back to game three. Jack Peterson homered in the third, which was really exciting and then Jackie Bradley Jr. homered in the eighth to tie what did I say going into this World Series and postseason specifically about the Dodgers if they rely only on the long ball they will not win and guess what I was 100% correct because in game one they played small ball in game two they went back to the homer well in game three they were stuck on it again in game four and then they just that's all they wanted to do was hit home runs chicks dig the long ball I guess But do you know what chicks dig even more than the long ball? A fucking World Series championship. So think about it that way next time. Brock Holt scored in the 13th on an infield single by Eduardo Nunez and a throwing error by Dodgers reliever Scott Alexander. Uh, Max Muncy scored in the bottom of the 13th on an infield hit by Yasiel Puig and a throwing error by second baseman Ian Kinsler. Max Muncy walked it off in the 18th with a solo home run after almost walking it off in the 15th on a long foul ball that curved just shy of the pole. I mean, that shit was inches away. The 18-inning game was the longest World Series game in history, starting just after 5 p.m. and ending at 12.30 a.m. It lasted 15 minutes longer than the entire 1939 World Series in which the Yankees swept the Cardinals. That's nuts. (laughs) Max Muncy's walk-off was the headline, but perhaps the two most memorable aspects of the game were Walker... I'm going to start this again. Max Muncy's walk-off was the headline, but perhaps the two most memorable aspects of the game were Walker Bueller's early dominance and Nathan Eovaldi's late dominance until the Max Muncy home run. Bueller's performance earned a standing ovation from Sandy Koufax. Seven innings pitched, two hits, seven Ks, 
Zero walks and zero earned runs. He struck out J.D. Martinez, and that's where he got the standing ovation. That was wonderful. I, I, they took him out with 109 pitches, 108 pitches. I fully disagree with that. I understand you're thinking about Game 7. Guess what? Even if you're thinking about Game 7, there's no games after Game 7. You have a full offseason to rest. Like, Nathan Eovaldi, like, that's the shit you got to do. You got to win the game. And I think you leave him in. 10 more pitches, 10 more pitches. So even if Kershaw returns to the Dodgers next year, should Bueller be their opening day starter in 2019? Yes. The prevailing opinion after game three was that the Red Sox had overplayed their hand by relying on starting pitchers as relievers. In total, they used four starting pitchers in game three, Porcello, Rodriguez, Price, and Eovaldi. In the aftermath of game three, Alex Cora didn't even know who they were going to start in game four since projected starter Eovaldi went six innings to close out the game. Now, everybody thought this gave the Dodgers a, a, a serious edge, and I count myself in that group of people. But what ended up working out is that the Red Sox preserved their bullpen, which the Dodgers did not do. The Dodgers then also went back to their bullshit with lineups and pitching and just kind of played into the Red Sox. So we get into game four. The Red Sox win 9-6. to six. Joe Kelly Red Sox reliever gets the win, and Dylan Floro, Dodgers reliever, gets the loss. At the end of six innings in Game 4, it looked like we might actually have a series on our hands. The Dodgers were... And let me preface this by saying I did not get to watch this game or Game 5. So this is all just me, like, feeling the presence of the loss and reading Bench Coach Brett's wonderful notes. Uh, the Dodgers were up 4 to nothing after a Bell Bellinger's fielder's choice RBI and a Puig three-run home run. Huge moment with Puig's three-run home run. I love the, and this is just some pure baseball, and I know Boston fans are going to disagree with me on this, but, I mean, you won the thing, so you get to have whatever memories you want, but this is a good baseball moment. But when Puig hits that thing and Eduardo sees that it's a home run and just takes his glove off and throws it down, like, that's the World Series, man. That is the World Series where every moment is like, God damn it! Like, that is that is the World Series, and I love that. And, uh... I just loved it. And the Red Sox, so uh, Puig three-run home run. And the Red Sox were about to turn their exhausted to, about to turn to their exhausted bullpen. Plus, Rich Hill was cruising. He had a one-hitter through six innings. Then he walked Bogarts and struck out Nunez to start the seventh, and Dave Roberts took him out. Bullshit! I told you. Rich Hill should not be taken out. He One walk and then a strikeout? The Dodgers' bullpen... Alexander, Madsen, Jansen, Flora, Wood, and Maeda proceeded to give up nine runs in the final three innings. I, I don't, I literally don't know what else to say about it. Rich Hill is one of the best pitchers in baseball, not only as a pitcher, but a, a person. And we don't deserve him. He should be somewhere else. He should be with another team that respects him. I mean, I know his team respects him, but he's not respected by the managing staff. I just think just... Let him pitch. When else is he going to pitch again? It's the moment. This is the moment. It is the moment. And if you take yourself out of the moment, if you take someone out of the moment, you don't get the moment back. And I think that for me, and again, Boston fans, congratulations, you played very well. I'm not trying to diminish anything. It's just that this is my perspective. I have been spending a lot of time working on myself and trying to understand myself and where I'm at and what I'm doing and my life and everything. But the thing that I keep coming back to in all of these methods of practice and, and everything is that you only have right now. 
that's it. Yes, you can look to the past to learn, to understand, to comprehend, to grow. And you can look to the future to, I don't even want to say hope or have goals because those things feel too, it, those don't feel right to me even anymore. I just look to the future with love and gratitude that it exists. That's it. So you only have right now. There isn't anything down the road. You can plan because you can't just float through an ocean, unfortunately. So you can make plans, but you have to be able to let those plans go as soon as they have to change. So when I think about this Rich Hill situation, and I mean, I'm glad he got to pitch more than four innings in the World Series, but like this is it. The World Series is it. That's what everybody's trying to do. That's what everybody in Major League Baseball is trying to do. Get to the World Series, win the World Series. But between getting and winning the World Series is being in the World Series. And when you take somebody out of it, you take them out of it. And I just, I think that my issue with Dave Roberts or his method is that it doesn't feel like he respects the moment. And that's frustrating to me as a baseball fan. That he doesn't look at his pitcher and say like, what do you think? It's all about like what the iPad says. It's not about what the guy throwing the baseball says. And that's that's what you have to listen to. It's all about trust. And if you can't if you if you don't trust each other, that's when it breaks down. That's the hardest part is trusting each other. And sometimes you don't trust somebody and you have to make the hard decision of saying like, "Hey, we have to do something else." But that person then has to trust you that you're right. And sometimes you are. And it sucks. It's not good. It's not fun. But sometimes you're right. Sometimes somebody's right when they say, I don't trust you here and I need to do something else. But I don't think, I don't think the Dodgers do that. I don't think the management of the Dodgers does that. And I don't think it allows them to be as fun of a team as they could be or as good of a team as they could be. And that's, I think, what's frustrating. Um, so four of those Red Sox runs were batted in by eventual series MVP, Steve Pierce. Now, I, I mean, look, that guy deserves it. Absolutely. But I think Nathan Eovaldi deserves it too, just as much for that performance. I mean, that was, that was goddamn baseball. Uh, so going into the seventh inning down four to nothing, the Red Sox received a fiery profane motivational rant from Chris Sale, which they credit with helping them turn the game around. I feel like I hear a story like this every year. It was Verlander last year and Jason Hayward the year before. Are these moments overstated or do they actually have an impact on the game? They are not overstated. They are not overstated. I can tell you from personal experience. When somebody tells you something and it gets to you, it works. I mean, they won the game, right? So that's it. That's, I mean, they're not overstated at all. I mean, why do we put them in movies? <laughs> we put them in movies because we like them and we want to experience them too because not all of us are going to get to play on Major League Baseball teams. Um, so bench coach Brett has some thoughts that I'm going to share with you, uh, which I agree with. If you need to identify a turning point in the series, Dave Roberts taking out Rich Hill is probably it. Just like Roberts taking out Hill early in game two of last year's series was also a turning point. Roberts' explanation is that Rich Hill was losing confidence going into the seventh and told Roberts to keep an eye on him. But that still doesn't account for the lack of an any obvious on-the-field reason for taking him out. I think that maybe Rich Hill saying that and Roberts was maybe ready to go to pull him with the hook a little too ready because he said that to him. The other thing that really sticks out in the reporting is the psych psychological effect that his that uh, let me say this again. 
The other thing that really sticks out in the reporting is the psychological effect that this decision had on the Red Sox. After the game, Red Sox reliever Joe Kelly recounts how the energy in the bullpen picked up after Hill got pulled. We were excited because Hill was absolutely on fire. See? Plus, Hill getting pulled came right on the heels of Sale's big dugout speech in the 6th. If you're looking for a reason why the Red Sox hitters suddenly seem so confident in the 7th, 8th, and ninth, it probably has something to do with the confluence of these two events. That's why you can't look at an iPad. You just can't. Dave Roberts was ready to pull him because Rich Hill said, keep an eye on me, and then he did, and he, he was looking for it, and he saw something that wasn't there. Or maybe it was, but the Red Sox didn't see it. And he wasn't looking at the Red Sox. You can't only look at your pitcher. you got to look at the other team. And the other team wasn't hitting. So keep that going. A walk is a walk. Followed up by a strikeout? Totally fine by me. Totally fine by me. Double play is in play. Walk a guy, strikeout, double play, get out of the inning. That's it. That's the plan that's going to happen. After the strikeout, something else bad happens, have a mound visit. Don't pull him. It's the goddamn World Series. And so the Red Sox took full advantage of that. They used their tools and they took advantage of that. And then they won the World Series because of it. Game five, Red Sox win five to one. Price, David Price gets the win and Clayton Kershaw gets the loss. I think Kershaw, I mean, number one, he's his speed and arm is declining. I love the guy, but man, he he takes on too much. He just, he doesn't have the mental, he just doesn't have it. He just doesn't have it. And maybe had he made it to the World Series earlier, we would have seen a different kind of Kershaw in the World Series. But now that he's older, he puts the weight of the world on his shoulders and he can't do it. And it's sad. Like Game 7 of last year, this one was pretty much over as soon as it started. The Red Sox put two on the board in the top of the first off a Pierce home run. He later hit a second home run in the eighth. And despite a first pitch home run in the bottom of the first by David Fries, those two runs ended up being enough to win the game and the series. Chris Sale strikes out Manny Machado to end the game, which could not be a more perfect scenario because, I mean, look, I've clearly not been a huge fan of Manny Machado this season, specifically this World Series or these playoffs. So to be totally honest, it was kind of poetic justice for him to get struck out on his knees. So, I mean, Chris Sale, probably not the greatest dude in terms of, like, bigotry and belief system, but, um, you know, that's, hey... I'm also, like, I've had this conversation. I think I mentioned it on here before. It sucks to always have people clinching not at home. But, I mean, I didn't even... I straight up didn't even watch. I There was nothing... I knew they were going to lose. And I, I am I a bad fan for that? Probably. But I just got to say that, like... Okay, so before I get into this, congrats to the Boston Red Sox on winning the World Series. You absolutely deserve it. You played so much better and made better decisions. Alex Cora is a f- great manager and deserved it. And, uh, you know, he, he's a great manager, great manager, great decisions. He's a ba- great balance of sabermetrics data and eyes on the field. So I respect that. Um, I don't super respect the, all the Boston fans. Um, I have a lot of friends who are Boston Red Sox fans. I'm not talking about you cause you guys are cool, but you see what you've done. You see the bullshit that you're doing. Um, I'm not a huge fan of of cities that have won a ton of shit gloating about it. Not a big fan of that. Mostly because I'm from a place that has won one championship in the last 52 years. Um, And so that's kind of, you know, it's like, whatever. It's 
what can you do? Um, so then being like an LA fan is weird because LA has a lot of championships, but also hasn't won in a minute. Um, and been to two world series in a row and failed horribly at them. So it's a little strange. Um, but you know, I'm back to my off season of minor league and Ebbets field hats, uh, which is, was a little inside joke between me and my pitcher Phil. Um, so yeah, congrats to Boston. And, uh, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to have a, I have a hard time. I mean, I'll still wear like an LA hat because I live here and I, I like being, being here, but man, I don't know. I mean, I have like Dodger stuff and that's the team I'm going to listen to, I guess, cause I can listen to them on the radio, but like, I just might be a free agent for a little while. I don't know. The great thing is like, my heart isn't broken this time. This time I'm just like, wow, well, that wasn't a surprise. It just didn't need to be that way. You know what I mean? It just didn't need to be that way. And I think that's what's so frustrating. I really thought they had a chance of a seven-game series. It was only five. They really honestly should have been swept. I mean, it just it's that's just not fun, you know? It's like I I wish the Brewers would have won so that it would have been a series. <laughs> but who knows that that's the case? That's the Zen of baseball. You don't know. I mean, Red Sox would have decimated the Brewers too, I think, cuz the Red Sox are just that good. But, like, I mean, Joe Kelly admitting that, like, they were scared is, like, dude, how how could you not see this? Are you not paying attention? Um, and just the poetic justice of Manny Machado getting struck out. I, you know, and some people have said that, like, he gets more shit because it's race racism. And I agree. I do agree. I don't think that Chase Utley has, like, just gotten away with bullshit because he's white. But he also has. I think for me, the difference between Chase Utley and Manny Machado is that Chase Utley was doing something that a lot of players were doing, and it, it it had a history of happening in the game, which is why they had to make a rule against it. And it wasn't just for Chase Utley, it was for everybody, because a lot of guys were doing that, and it was it, it is literally almost a play to try to stop a double play. And I'm not making excuses. He broke a guy's leg. I'm simply saying... It was something that happened a lot, whereas the things Manny Machado was doing, I haven't really seen anybody do, especially not in the postseason. <laughs> it doesn't, it was just like, this is not, I, I love Puig and I will defend all of his behavior because I like it and I think it's good for the game. But what Manny Machado was doing, I don't think is good for the game. It's not good for the game you're currently playing and it's not good for the game as a cultural institution. So Personally, me, that's my opinion, but also I'm not going to go railing super hard on a dude of color just because of that. Like, I, I don't like it. I disagree with it. That's that. Um, since ending an 86-year championship drought in 2004, the Red Sox have won four World Series in the last 15 years. This is also the first time since the Yankees in 2009 that the team with the highest payroll won the series. So... Red Sox fans, stop acting like you deserve it more or that LA is whatever because you guys have the highest payroll in baseball. But also, congrats. So, offseason free agency. We'll get into this for just a second because I really don't give a shit about this stuff. Top free agent position players, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Manny Machado is definitely not coming back to the Dodgers unless the Dodgers keep being the Dodgers and keep Manny Machado. But I can't wait for Corey Seager to be back on the field, personally. Bryce Harper, I feel like, is probably going to stay with the Nationals. I don't... I, there's nowhere that he feels like a fit. You know, maybe the Cubs, I guess. That would be fun. Top free agent pitchers, Clayton Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw, Dallas Keuchel, Nathan Eovaldi, Patrick Corbin, 
Charlie Morton, CC Sabathia, J.A. Happ. Um, Clayton Kershaw, everybody thinks he's going to go to the Rangers. I think that's pretty solid. Um, these other guys, who knows? Who knows? Nathan Eovaldi, curious to see what his shoulder situation is after this World Series. Uh, any teams that you're keeping an eye on in the offseason? Dodgers, Yankees, and Phils seem to be the teams most likely to make big moves. If you're the Dodgers, how do you approach the offseason? Same question for the Phillies. For the Phillies, pitching, definitely. For the Dodgers, <laughs> managers. <laughs> That's what I say. Yankees need pitching also. I mean, you just always need pitching. You just always need pitching. Um, yeah, I think that's the case. I, I have a hard time even getting into thinking about the offseason. We'll get into that maybe in a couple weeks. I'll give you my thoughts, and then we won't talk about it again. <laughs> There's not going to be a Shohei Otani situation again this year, I don't think. So thank God for that. I'm pretty, I was pretty tired of getting those updates, and I really don't care. Um, yeah, so after this, we'll be back with one question for the rosin bag. I'll see you right after this. So friends, I got to tell you about something. I got a new product that I really love. I know it sounds weird when somebody says I got a new product, but I really did. I got a set of Brooklyn and sheets and honestly, they're the best sheets I've ever had. I've had a lot of sheets in my life. I'm a 36 year old person. I've had a lot of sheets and these are some great sheets. I love the way they look. They're very like modern, but throwbacky. And I think it's very cool. It makes me feel like I'm maybe in risky business, but I'm, you know, just one of the friends or something. Um, Brooklyn and sheets were named the winner of the best online betting category by good housekeeping. They have raving reviews from business insider. Brooklyn is the fastest growing betting brand in the world. Over 20,000 five-star reviews. And you can count me as one of those five-star reviews. Cause I love these sheets. Um, they feel incredible. It's like being in a hotel and Brooklyn was started by a husband and wife who didn't think it should be so difficult and expensive to get sheets like that at home. And they have succeeded. It's pretty wonderful to go on the internet and get some sheets and be like, I don't know what these are going to be like, order them and then be like, Oh, these are great. These are awesome. Um, they're based in Brooklyn and they're not your typical New Yorkers. They live in the city that never sleeps yet. They're committed to bringing you the best sleep ever. So they were founded in early 2014 by husband and wife Vicky and Rich Fullup and their dog, Dukes. Their mission was to bring five-star hotel quality sheets to everyday life. And guess what? This mission was not impossible. Their luxury sheets without the luxury markup. Most betting is marked up as much as 300%. That's, that's bonkers. Their method was to take out the middleman, keep things personal, just between them and the customer. From design to manufacturing to customer service and beyond. Small business approach from being run by husband and wife to being involved in every step of the manufacturing process to a customer service team that cares so much they remember their customers by name. I love that. It's great that you can have small business online. That is kind of a wonderful thing because sometimes you feel like being online takes out the personal approach, but look, they've kept it in there. And these sheets don't just feel great. They look great too. They come in different colors and many materials to choose from. They have an old-fashioned spirit despite totally modern... They have an old-fashioned spirit despite totally modernizing an old industry. And guess what? That sounds just like three swings, doesn't it? My Brooklinen sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for you, my listeners. You can get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code BASEBALL at Brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so sure you'll love your new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. 
The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code BASEBALL at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BASEBALL. Brooklinen. These really are the best sheets ever. Okay, we're back with one single rosin bag. Remember, you can send me rosin bags that don't have to do with baseball if you want to. From at Hieronymus, hey, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little since the World Series isn't even done. Now it is. But off-season talk, what is a good resource for learning a little more about the technical aspects of baseball, what the stats mean, and etc.? I would recommend going to at Jen Mac Ramos on Twitter and following them. They are a baseball analyst and a sabermetrics head, but they also come from, you know, a, a sort of realistic baseball approach and it's not super heady. So I would check in with them if you want to get into sabermetrics. Obviously read like the Moneyball book and um, there's a book by the Sonoma Stompers Management um, called, give me a second, the only rule is it has to work. Our wild experiment, b- building a new kind of baseball team. I would recommend reading that. I haven't read it yet, but I think it would be a fun read. I also would recommend this book that was purchased for me, and I didn't really need it because I am pretty good at watching baseball, but then I cracked it open and was like, oh, this is actually pretty great. Um, so this book called Watching Baseball Smarter, a professional fan's guide for beginners, semi-experts, and deeply serious geeks. It is like a, a small paperback book, and it breaks down very simple aspects of the game and then also complex aspects of the game in a way that is very easy to read, fun to read, and super helpful. And like I jumped into it and was like, oh, this is great because... Even for a serious fan that feels like they know everything about everything, it's kind of fun to refresh yourself and then also read it, somebody else's perspective on it and then be like, oh, yeah, this is what it is like. Or, oh, I think this is different about it or whatever. So I highly recommend that book to anybody that's getting into baseball for the first time um, and checking it out, keeping it like on your coffee table while you're watching a game and sort of just flipping through it. It explains like the different umpires, different calls, like all kinds of stuff, stuff you wouldn't even think about. It's in there. And so I highly recommend those two books for watching Baseball Smarter. So that's what you should get and uh, try to get it from your local bookstore if you can or the library. But it's definitely a book that you should maybe buy uh, because it's worth it. Um, great. So that's our show for the week. And, um, I am going to take a week off. I'm going to take a week off because I'm going on vacation. So I'm not going to be able to get you an episode and I just need to go on a vacation. I need to go not work for five days. That's what I need to go do. And I hope that other people can do that too. I'm not going, I'm just, I'm going on a road trip. I'm not even spending a ton of money to do it. I'm just, I'm just taking the time to not work none of it. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to work. And it's going to be great. And I have not done that in a really, 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 really long time. And so I'm really looking forward to it. I'm very grateful that I'm able to do it. I've maybe never done it. Honestly, I don't know that I've ever done it. I don't think I've ever done it. So thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for all of your support that's allowed me to take five days off of work. I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. And I appreciate everybody that listens to this podcast and everybody that supported it in its inaugural season. 
Um, it's been a great success. I could not imagine that people would care about it this much. And I, I'm very grateful to everybody that's listened and everybody that's going to continue to listen while men's baseball is not happening. Um, I, I guarantee you we're going to have a real fun off season and it's not going to be all about trades and stuff. Um, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I really appreciate everybody. Um, I'm going to try to work on maybe getting some merch together for the off season. Maybe we'll try to do a live show for the spring. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I wanted to let everybody know that I have some shows coming up. Um, I'm going to be in Sacramento the 10th and the 11th. Please come to those shows. I would love to see you. I'll, I'll be around afterwards to shake hands, take photos, whatever you want to do. So come out to those shows. And then I'll be in uh, Portland at Mississippi Studios. There is a second show added. So please buy tickets to that on the 19th of January. And then on the 20th of January, I'll be in Seattle at the Crocodile Club. So please come out to those shows. Shake my hand. Tell me what you need to tell me. Take a photo with me if you want to. Um, Yeah, please come to those shows. Please rate, review on iTunes. Tell your friends. Um, Somebody tweeted at me that their friend told me about this podcast but they wanted me to tell them where to get it. It's very funny that the amount of time that they spent tweeting at me could have been used Googling Rhea Butcher baseball podcasts. <laughs> but um, I've kind of found it cute and I haven't responded to them yet because I didn't want to be rude because sometimes when you're on the internet, your first response is rudeness. And so I took a little time, but that's great because that means people are telling their friends. So I appreciate that. So tell your friend, let's grow this thing. Let's keep taking care of each other. Make sure you take some time out for yourself today. Um, Spend some time just with yourself and just spend it in silence and look for Joy. She's all around. Joy is wherever you want to find her. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.